Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. On our wild and wacky exploration of self-discovery today, my mom, Cynthia Garrett, licensed mental health counselor, and myself discussed that mean little word that pops up again and again and again this time of year. And that mean little word is should. If hearing that word sends shivers right up your spine, you are in the right place. In today's conversation, we break down the purpose of should and the emotions that come with it, and we work through some tools that help you leave the harmful self-talk at the door and take away only what serves you. And if that's not enough to get you jumping up and down for excitement like I am, I will say that the quote at the end that Cynthia shares is a real zinger. So what do you say? Should we dive in? Hi, Madeline. Today, I was hoping we could have a conversation around the word should. Uh, This time of year, I bump into this word a lot with my clients and honestly with myself, right? I I should feel joyous. Uh, The holidays are coming up. I should feel grateful. I should feel thankful. I should feel connected. I should feel satisfied. And they don't. That's the bottom line is that they don't. And so instead of embracing their emotions, they are fighting against them. So I'm just wondering if you bump into any of these shoulds this time of year. Oh, absolutely. I hear a lot in the language of my clients and I also hear a lot in my head. And the point you made about it being toward the end of the year, holidays aside, we tend to mark progress in years. I don't know what Mm -hmm. it is about December that puts everyone in this mindset that if they Mm -hmm. don't have all of their things tied up in a nice pretty package with a nice pretty bow by December 31st, then you might as well just write off the entire year as a whole. Never mind the fact that January 1st rolls around and we're still the same people. You still have time (laughs) to figure out what you want to do. And so a lot of the should language I hear in coaching, especially around people's goals, is I should be further along. I should be moving faster. I should have it all figured out. I should know what I want to do. And they just absolutely beat themselves up and find Mm -hmm. that it really brings to the picnic some strong, challenging emotions. It really does. I mean, because if we think about the languaging around should, it is critical it's judgmental, it's disempowering. And so it brings those emotions that are problematic to a lot of us, really not kind. So there's no space for self-compassion. Absolutely true. And one of my favorite things that you always tell me is that emotions are just data. They're just information. There are no good or bad emotions. And I think one of the things that is part of this idea, which we can dig in a little bit more later on, is how to process these emotions Mm -hmm. and how we aren't really equipped often with the skill to process these emotions. So these shoulds are coming in that you should be happy or you should be grateful or you should be further along or you should be achieving things. And they bring with them these challenging emotions. And then we don't know what to do. So we label them as negative. We sit in a horrible space where we're judging ourselves. And we, as you said, don't invite in compassion. So do you have any tools that you help your clients through when they come to you with these strong emotions and you just want to help them to process and move through them? 
Yeah. So one of the most powerful processes was designed by a wonderful counselor, therapist, and mindfulness teacher by the name of Tara Brock. She's also an author and and just an overall awesome woman. She has developed this technique that she calls RAIN, R-A-I-N. And the RAIN technique is the R stands for recognize, right? So we first recognize the emotions. And like you said, without labeling them good or bad, right or wrong, we just recognize them. A is allow, just allow it to be there. Just allow yourself to have an open door policy where you just say, I'm going to allow you to be on my doorstep. And usually when we talk about emotions, when we're allowing, doesn't mean we're accepting, but it just means that we are holding space for it. The next one is I, investigate, or I like the word inquire. And of course, I love the word curious, because when we remain curious, right, or we're investigating, we're gathering data. Data is not good or bad. Data is just data. Adam Grant in his book, Think Again, talks a lot about this, which is really a great resource, which we'll put in the show notes. So investigate, inquire. So why are you here, Anger? What, what brings you a knocking, so to speak? <laughs> and this is the real key. N for nurture. What do I need in this moment? Recognizing, allowing, inquiring about this emotion, and I picked anger, that's standing on my doorstep of my front door. What does it need? Wow. Yeah. Right. This is a great framework. This is, and it also reminds me of a conversation I just had yesterday when we were talking about very similar things around mm. fear and the saboteurs in our head and the shoulds that mm -hmm. come in. And she was mm -hmm. reminding me of this phrase, which is that you should leave your door open to thoughts. Just don't ask them to stay for tea. Mm -hmm. So they can pass through you and you can be curious about them mm -hmm. and you can check in with yourself and you can leave your door open always to thoughts, um, but we don't have to let them stay there. We don't have to mm -hmm. give them a key to the house or, mm -hmm. or invite them for a brief dinner. Mm -hmm. We don't even have to have a conversation with them. You don't even have to engage. And I think that's what's really powerful as well is we are being in this example, in this beautiful framework that you've just shared with everyone. You're being curious and in conversation with yourself, not necessarily with the intrusive thought. You're not entertaining the should. You're not entertaining the negativity, quote unquote. You are looking at the data and the information and how that tells you about you and helps you to, and I'm going to be very on the nose here, know me better or know you better. Um, exactly. and, then, and then engage in conversation with yourself to make sure that your needs are met. And also, I think a huge powerful point around, because I've said negative a few times as well. There are no negative emotions. There are no positive emotions, as you were saying. And a really great thing is that sometimes we go to negative and positive because we don't have the right languaging around emotions. So we're trying to express mm -hmm. this doesn't make me feel good rather than this is negative or this is challenging. Right. So we often end up in these thought traps that, oh, I feel anger. This is bad. I either shouldn't, there it is again, shouldn't feel right. it, or I don't want to. So I'm just mm -hmm. going to put it in this negative bucket. So how do you mm -hmm. help when people are actually falling victim to negative emotion versus positive emotion and labeling those things? How do you get them out of that habit? 
So how I frame it a lot of times, because I think it it really does help neutralize it, is to say to them, it's not about good or bad. It's not about right or wrong. It's not about right, polar opposite. It's about information. Emotions are informational. That's their job. And as we know, information isn't always accurate. Mm. Information isn't necessarily fact. The gist of what anxiety or stress or worry is trying to impart to me is, Cynthia, you're in harm's way. You're not safe. Then I can listen to that. It doesn't necessarily mean it's fact and I should run like hell out of wherever I am, but I should pause and go, huh, I am. And the thought could be, you're just about to go to this holiday party and you might embarrass yourself. So anxiety is going to come and sit on my right shoulder because to me, being embarrassed, I'm in harm's way. So one of the things that actually just popped up when you spoke about a holiday party and being embarrassed is about where shoulds are coming from as well. Because I think there's There are definitely cases where shoulds are external, but there are also cases where shoulds are internal. Let me explain a little bit because I'm sure that's really confusing if it's all going on in your head. What I mean is, is that sometimes we carry these shoulds around with us based on how we believe we're going to be judged by others. And sometimes we create shoulds because of how we're judging ourselves. And that might mean that we're not living in resonance with what's important to us. And the should is just a poor languaging version of trying to let us know that we're misaligned with a need that we have. And Mm. oftentimes it's because we're carrying around beliefs that don't serve us. So when you're looking at the holiday season, as the example we gave in the beginning, and we're talking about that, you should be happy says who says you, is that because family is important to you and it's an opportunity to connect with family and that you're not, you're feeling something going on. And so your shoulds are telling you that there's some sort of misalignment because usually when you're connecting with family, you feel great. And maybe you need to dig a little deeper and be curious about that to figure out what's Mm -hmm. going on. Or is it because someone else is making you feel like you should feel a certain way. And because you're not feeling that way, all of a sudden you're feeling judgment and you want to get away from the discomfort of feeling judged. So your shoulds are trying to protect you. What are your thoughts on that? I really love what you said. And I really think that this is an important concept, the external versus the internal. And one of the things to remember is that, sure, are there external influences? There absolutely are. But everything goes through an internal filter. And sometimes we have it go through an internal filter and it's a very huge filter. So it's not really filtering out what do I really believe versus what was I just told? So am Mm -hmm. I going to take your concept as my truth or am I going to let it go through this filter of my beliefs in me, my values, my strengths, and then go, yeah, that just doesn't stick. That just mm-hmm. doesn't, that doesn't compute to me. I, I talk a lot about this with my clients where I'm sort of absolute about it and I don't mean it to be, but just so that it kind of resonates a little bit is I say, no one can make you feel anything. You are always choosing. You are always choosing. But if you tell yourself, that someone can make you feel a certain way, then you're going to let those external cues come in without any filter. 
It's true. I mean, to be fair, though, the best way to get into a deeper argument is when someone says you make me feel X to reply to them. I can't make you feel anything. <laughs> I think maybe it works for clients, but I wouldn't pull that out in the argument with the partner. I've tried no. it before. No. It didn't go well. No, exactly. Exactly. Or, is, or if they say you made me feel and you go, oh, no, I don't have that power. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I think maybe we'll leave that one in the toolbox right. and won't take yeah. it out in, the, think, in those contexts. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You just really focus on filtering for yourself because in, in that context, if I'm filtering it for myself and I want to be respectful and kind, I'm not going to say that to my, yeah. to anybody. True, true. Um, yeah. In the context of my, my office and with my clients, I can say it because we're, we're not talking about how each other's making us feel. We're, That's we're empowerment. talking about Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is, which is one of the things that shoulds a lot of times take away. They take away. It, it's a very disempowering, right? Oh, like, absolutely. I'm giving you all the power of controlling how I'm going to feel or what I might think. Mm. And when you say giving you, I think one of the things that's interesting when we talk about internal and external is can still be internal. When you say I'm giving you the power, the you can be mm -hmm. your inner saboteurs, your inner critic, the mm -hmm. people who aren't out to make you feel your best or to mm -hmm. help you feel your best rather than mm -hmm. make you feel your best. And you can also choose to give them the driver's seat. You know, if you imagine mm -hmm. your, your brain as a car, you can decide that you want to let your saboteurs or your inner critics be in the driver's seat, mm -hmm. or you can turn to the passenger, the backseat driver and say, thanks so much for your input. Take it under advisement. I'm going to keep going the path I want to go right now or that I need to go. And I think what's really important in that aspect, and this echoes a previous episode we did about allocation of resources is checking in with yourself. This time of year becomes so much more important because when you're telling yourself shoulds, it's so much harder to decide to let that go, decide to not let them in for tea and to just let mm -hmm. the thoughts pass through. If you don't know where your needs are, where your base levels are, mm -hmm. uh, how you're doing, and you're not creating regular check-in routines for yourself, because mm -hmm. then we just end up in this really intense, ungrounded space that makes it super difficult to walk away from the inner critic and all of those should statements and all of those things going on in our heads that don't serve us. Well, and you know, I love a good metaphor and you used my classic one with the car, right? Ooh. And I've said this ad nauseum for as long as I've been a therapist is that never, ever let any emotion get into your driver's seat. Because if you let your emotion in your driver's seat, then you are letting a two-year-old drive <laughs> your car through your journey of life. And I don't know about you, but I, all the two-year-olds I've met, I would not want driving my cars. That doesn't mean that you can't, like you said, invite the person in the way, way back or the emotion in the way, way back to come because you didn't quite hear what they had to say, informational, to come sit in the passenger seat for a while, right? And just gather, be curious. What are you saying? What information do you have to give to me? But that's why we need to know and we need to keep developing our core self. Our core self never leaves the driver's seat of our life, ever. Mm -hmm. 
I really love that metaphor of the car. Obviously, it's something that we both can see in our brains and I'm sure other people mm -hmm. can really relate to as well. And you talked about inviting things into the passenger seat. And I'm going to expand your metaphor a little, which is that sometimes the person in the passenger seat is there to help you with directions or mm -hmm. to understand your journey better or to pay attention to things that you can't while your eyes are on the road. Out of curiosity for your perspective, what about when those should statements are actually helpful? Yeah, I know. And so this kind of talks a little bit about languaging. And you and I have both read Brene Brown's newest book, Atlas of the Heart. Oh, so and, good. And oh, so good. We could do a whole talk about that book. But, and we just and, might. <laughs> and we just might, right. But one of the things that uh, both you and I agreed that was so powerful for us was this concept around what if we all had a common language when we're defining these emotions, right? Mm -hmm. When we are understanding these emotions, because a lot of times we have different concepts and the languaging around it is so important. So when you talk about if I was using should and it was causing or enabling me to clarify my values, very helpful. Like you said, getting back in touch with myself. How about if the should prompts growth? Maybe I've, I'm in a rut and should maybe actually is a little bit of a motivator. I actually had this experience. You and I are talking about me doing some TikToks and maybe some reels. And so I was thinking about that, but it started with a should. Oh my gosh, Cynthia, Madeline told you to look at or invited you to look into TikToks more and you really should get on that. And so actually that should prompted me to do just that, to accept the invitation of looking into the TikToks more. And when I did that, it just got the creative juices flowing. And so mm -hmm. therefore I was able to prompt some growth in that, in that department, as opposed to, I could have same example said, oh, Cynthia, you really should do that. You're such a procrastinator. And then I go down the mm. rabbit hole of the actually the should being more taking my power or being critical or allowing that inner critic. So there are some benefits. And this is where that rain technique, if we go back to the rain technique of investigating and inquiring, what is it trying to tell? And it's going to partner with an emotion. So mm -hmm. if it partners with an emotion like guilt, I don't know if that's going to really promote growth. If it partners with an emotion like motivation or, or courage, then perhaps that's a better combination. So it mm -hmm. really goes to what was that thing that Brene Brown used to talk about Stories we tell ourselves. So, Brene, this is becoming the Brene fan club podcast. I swear every single time. But when she talks about stories that we tell ourselves, it's this concept, right? If you imagine a should statement as a story that you're telling yourself by teasing it out a little bit, I should be on that TikTok thing. Um, you might be telling yourself a larger story around how you're a procrastinator, or there might be underpinnings to that that you're not saying in the initial statement, but are there. And so being curious about the story and understanding, does this serve me? Does this story I'm telling myself, does this narrative that I'm pulling out of existence, 
actually mm-hmm. serve me? And as, as you're expressing, and as you just so beautifully put, sometimes the answer is yes. There are pieces of it that we can take away where we say, for example, I'm a very curious person and I love learning. And I feel that this is part of me prompting myself to get over that initial hurdle of being scared of trying something new and dive into the fun, creative part. So I'm going to take that piece of the should statement and I'm going to leave the guilt and the procrastination part and the self-judgment aside. And I'm going to create this new story for myself, which is I have this great opportunity to learn a new skill. I'm so excited to jump on that. There's a lot going on in my life, but I hope to make time to really delve into my creative curiosity with this TikTok thing. That's a completely different story that still accomplishes Mm -hmm. the same goal. It's Mm -hmm. still getting you to do the thing you want to do, but you're triggering some of your inner value talk and the stuff that really inspires you because learning is a huge thing for you, mom, I know, and being curious and trying new things. And so we have the power to really decide what stories we want to tell ourselves, to to ask ourselves, is this really serving me? And if no, you've got the pen, right? You can Mm -hmm. rewrite the stories that you're telling yourself. And it really is, once again, the stories we tell ourselves are informational about what some of our beliefs are. And then imagine if we had a crystal clear vision of our internal belief when we're trying to communicate with others. And Mm -hmm. so this is part of the filter process, right? Is that if you say to me, mom, you are, you're not a learner, right? You're not very curious. You're very judgmental mom. If I didn't put it through my filter, I would say, oh, really? Oh gosh. I'm God, okay, I'll make that my own, right? No, but mm. I put it through the filter and I bounce it back and go, yeah, no, that doesn't really compute because once again, I know that one of my strongest values and strengths and ways of being is my passion for learning and my passion for being curious more than I am with being judgmental. Yeah, no, absolutely true. And this echoes a point we make several times, which is, When you feel grounded, when you are aware of your needs and you've got your beliefs in check and you know where things are coming from and you have the space, the mental space to be curious about the thoughts that are passing through, you are setting yourself up for the best version of yourself because we're not always living at 100% of our potential and capacity all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I would love a 100% day. Most days usually are a bit lower than that. When we ground ourselves and we have this awareness of who we are and what's important to us and what our values are, then it's so much easier in these times of challenge of self-criticism to really be conscious of that and turn it into self-compassion. So one thing that I would really invite all of our listeners to do is to go back, if you haven't listened to it yet, to the Allocation of Resources podcast episode that we did, because we go into this in detail quite a bit about understanding what's important to you and how to keep check of where your energy tanks are and how to manage that, because that will help bolster you quite a bit in the coming months. 
And in addition to this, we're actually doing quite a few special episodes on strategies to help you get through the holidays and this general time of year when there's a lot coming at us, when we're trying to kick off New Year's resolutions, spend time with family members. Sometimes we might even feel like we're regressing a little bit after doing some progressive work with ourselves. And we're definitely aware that these are annual problems. You're not alone in them. And we'll have some strategies in future episodes. But for this episode, one of the biggest summarizing thoughts that we both want to leave you with is that should doesn't need to be in your vocabulary. And when you hear that word popping up in your mind or coming out of the mouths of others or coming out of your mouth toward others, challenge yourself to phrase that thing differently. So rather than I should feel happy, maybe try asking yourself, what would make me feel happier? What is contributing to what I am feeling, and maybe even what am I feeling? If it's not happy and how I define it, what Mm -hmm. is actually going on here? And how can I be kind to myself, show myself compassion, and deliver to myself what I need to thrive and see the happiness that I might want to see? Turning those shoulds into curiosity as a way of moving Mm -hmm. through them. Do you have a quote that you want to end us with, mom? I do. It's actually my own, right? Yeah. So it starts like this. Stop shooting all over yourself, embrace curiosity and release judgment to make choices that enrich your life and feed your soul. Stop shooting all over yourself, people. (laughs) Goodness. You'd never know that she would never let us swear when we were children. I didn't swear. I shouldn't. Well, with that, we hope that you found something valuable in our time together. We always do with each other and we are grateful for a little bit of your day until we speak again. Be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back next time for more helpful conversations. You can get in touch to work with us one-on-one or request a topic at any time by emailing us at podcast at Until then, this is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.